Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel Rumination Tuesday on this December the 20th in the year of our Lord 2022. And on Tuesdays, we like to take a look at the hymn assigned for the following Sunday. And that Sunday is Christmas. And the hymn is, We Praise You, Jesus, at Your Birth. And so let's listen to the hymn and see how it sounds. It's a not a well-known tune, but it's We Praise You, Jesus, at Your Birth. It originally was written in Low German, had only one stanza. Although its author is unknown, it can be traced to a 14th century manuscript from Trier. The Low German text belongs to a group of folk songs called Lysen because of the final phrase of each stanza. But then Martin Luther, he took this tiny text and made it into a major hymn by adding six stanzas. The new stanzas explore the mystery of the incarnation in the way the prologue to John's gospel, and that's a reading we have for this Sunday, John chapter one, and classic hymns before it. Luther's new version was perhaps first used in the Christmas season of 1523, but his six stanzas were then included with an updated version of the original stanza in two 1524 publications as noted above. And so we're going to be taking a look at this hymn. It's again called, We Praise You, Jesus, at Your Birth. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And with me is my good friend, Pastor Mark Smith. Does that hymn ring a bell with you with its tune, Pastor Smith? <laughs> no, I'm I'm afraid the tune, the tune is not... Uh familiar it's uh it's not a favor of mine but the words if you look at the 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 words of the different stanzas they're beautiful beautiful words it's just too bad it's too bad the melody isn't uh isn't better yes it uh was translated by a classmate of mine gregory wismar and he's still living right now and then also the tune was by F. Samuel Janso, who died in 2001. And he did quite a bit of tunes. So it is a Christmas hymn, and it's set aside for Christmas Day. 
And so I don't remember playing it before, but let's kind of go through it right now and see what it says. If you begin with stanza one, please. Okay. We praise you, Jesus, at your birth. Clothed in flesh, you came to earth. The virgin bears a sinless boy, and all the angels sing for joy. Alleluia. When did the angels sing for joy? Well, of course, uh, they they sang to the shepherds, remember? Exactly, remember? yes. Uh, and suddenly there was with the... the uh, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. Yeah. Yeah, that's an excellent uh, remember reminder for us. And it is definitely a, a Christmas hymn. It has two ways of rescuing us. The first is Jesus was clothed in flesh. That would be his incarnation. And then the virgin bears a sinless boy. That would be his birth. So his incarnation occurred when the angel Gabriel spoke to Mary and said, you will conceive. And right. that occurred right away almost. And what happened when she went to see Elizabeth? Well, John the Baptist, who was in the womb of Elizabeth, she was about six months along, and he leaped for joy at the sound yes. of Mary's voice. Right, because through the power of the Holy Spirit, he knew he was in the presence of Jesus. That's right. And Elizabeth describes that. So, you know, what surprises me is I'm, kind of unaware of this hymn, and I didn't realize that this was a hymn by Martin Luther. Did you? No, I didn't. No. But the words, you know, the words, like I say, are just, oh, I'm trying to think of the, uh, they're just, well, like, like uh, the virgin bears the sinless boy. Um, and you're going to find more of that. Uh, what is it? It's not hyperbole. What is that? It's, uh, you're always talking about it. The different, the, I'm not sure what see. you mean. Well, maybe the word will come to me. Okay. Let's, let's look at the, uh, let me read the, the second verse. Can I? Sure. Now in the manger, we may see God's son from eternity. The gift from God's eternal throne, here clothed in our poor flesh and bone. Um, well, the idea, this is the gift from God's heavenly throne, and now it's clothed in flesh and bone. You know, it, it, it's, it's a state of humiliation. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's ironic. A lot of imagery. You often will say this, and you help me to understand this, that when Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary, he also was still divine God in heaven. That's what we're going to see in this hymn. You're yes. going to see a lot of that. The idea that he's still, he's still almighty, 
And, uh, I mean, he, he has not set aside his attributes. He's still almighty. He's all-knowing, which is really, you know, it's amazing. Uh, that's why I'm convinced those angels sang so loudly, uh, because this is such a, it's, it's such an amazing uh, event. Well, I would say that he knows, knows all things in his divine nature. Right. And in his human nature, he was learning as he was growing up. And, and that's a real mystery to us. Yes, yes, it is. And so the phrase you read, the gift from God's eternal throne, that's showing that he is still on the eternal throne. Right. All right, I'll read stanza three. The Virgin Mary's lullaby calms the infant Lord Most High. Upon her lap, content is he who keeps the earth and sky and sea. Wow. Yeah, That's you see what I mean? Imagery. You, you see what, see the, the Virgin Mary's lullaby, the humble Virgin Mary of Nazareth calms the infant Lord Most High, you know? I mean, that's, uh, don't you get the, uh, you understand what I'm getting at? It's, it's uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the humble lullaby of the humble infant, uh, the humble uh, mother, mother calms the Lord Most High. Isn't that ironic? Right. I guess it's, yes. is it irony that I'm trying to think of? I don't know. I can't think of the. Well, once more, apart from faith, this sounds like a contradiction. Yeah, right, right. I understand I what mean, you're saying. If he keeps the earth, sky, and sea, how can he also be calmed by the virgin? Yeah, now, right. That's uh, a hymn that we often will sing. In fact, during Vespers, uh, it's called the what? Magnificat? That Mary's hymn is? Yes, right. The Magnificat, right. That's right. And there is, it's both in the um, liturgy, but there's a hymn. And we often will sing the hymn. And uh, well, how does that hymn begin? Do you remember? The Magnificat. Yes. Uh, let's see. My soul doth, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Yes. In, in this particular hymnal, it's hymn number four hundred and thirty. Yeah, Tom. I just thought. I think I thought of the word that I want wanted to express earlier. It's an sure. enigma. It's an enigma, you know. It's 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 a real it's a real mystery. The Virgin Mary's lullaby calms the infant Lord Most High. Upon her lap, content is He who keeps the earth and sky and sea. Do you see the enigma in that verse? And how do you explain the word enigma? It's a it's a it's a a puzzle or a mystery. Well said. How, yes. How how he can. Uh, how he can, he's, at the same time, he's the Lord Most High. 
he he keeps the earth and sky and sea, and yet he's calmed by humble uh, Mary's lullaby. And her lullaby, my song is love unknown, my Savior's love to me, love yes. to the loveless shown, that they might lovely be. Oh, yes. who am I that for my sake my Lord should take frail flesh and die? And that's another that's beautiful hymn. Isn't that a beautiful hymn, too? Yes. Beautiful. It's taken right out of the Bible. Where yeah. we call it the Magnificat. And that's where Mary magnifies the Lord. Yeah. She did not doubt that she would be with child, not like John the Baptist's father who doubted Gabriel. Right. And he became mute until yes. John was born. And if you look uh, at the gospel, uh let's see, um, Oh, I'm thinking the gospel for this past Sunday. Neither did Joseph doubt once you know once he once he received the explanation of the angel in his dream. Neither did he doubt. He didn't hesitate to take Mary to to keep Mary as his wife. Both of you them, know, both of them, really exhibit great faith, very receptive to God's instruction. Well, you know me in sermons. I always like to have a question, and that's what I preached on last Sunday. The question was, why did Joseph believe such nonsense? I mean, Mary is pregnant. Never had it ever occurred for a woman to be pregnant without another man. And yet, the angel comes to him and says, no. What's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will be born, or he will be born, and you will call him the Son of God, Emmanuel. And Joseph wakes up, and he does what the angel says. That's my right. My point was, how many times would you have a dream that would say something like that, and you would believe it? So why did Joseph believe it? Well, he he heard the heard the angel in a dream. Wouldn't wouldn't uh, the angel spoke to him? Is that what do you think? Is the power of the Holy Spirit at work there too? Would you say? Excellent. Well said, Mark. That's exactly what my sermon was, and I said because Mary and Joseph were believers. Yes, and therefore. Right. Uh, even in the Old Testament prior to Pentecost, the Holy Spirit would work in people. And remember, the shepherds saw the angels and they believed. The wise men heard about the star and they believed. You can go throughout the whole New Testament and people believe the unbelievable. It's really quite amazing. So you know what the point of my sermon was? What's that? I looked out at the congregation and I said, this is not a dream that I had, but you are declared to be saints of God because you have been declared righteous by God. And there's no evidence for that, is there, when you look in a mirror of the law 
because you know you're sinners. Yeah. But the evidence is God's word that yes. he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. So I said... Yes, and don't the people, and the, when you tell the people that, when you preach that, yes. uh, they believe it with their heart, from the heart. Uh, they, they implicitly cling to that word of God. Yes. And what we did after the sermon... We confess the Nicene Creed, and the point I made is those things that you are confessing are ridiculous, and yet you believe them because the Holy Spirit has given you faith to believe the unbelievable, and, and that's the point I was trying to make, that yeah. Joseph had it in a dream, you have it in God's Word, namely just as ridiculous a notion, and yet you believe there are three persons, one God, and the works that each of them did, you believe all that, and there's no evidence for that at all except the Word of God. Yeah. Let me ask you, Tom, did, did any of those people have trouble with the word ridic ridiculous? No, because uh, I did almost use it in every sermon. Because I believe most of the Bible is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, in this day and age, look how many people believe in evolution. And then you tell them, oh, no, it was six 24-hour days. They think that's ridiculous. And I even had a professor at the seminary, you know, they were not very good, some of them, who did not believe that Jesus rose bodily. He believed he rose spiritually and his body was still in the grave. That's what we were taught at the seminary by him. Oh, boy. And Because that was ridiculous for him to believe that. But the most ridiculous thing is my former co-pastor, Peter Kurowski, you know how he would, when he was talking to people, how he would greet them? What would he say? Do you remember? No, I can't. Tom. Like, your name is Mark. He would phone you up and say, hi, I just wanted to give a call to St. Mark. Yeah, yeah, I can vaguely remember him doing that, yes. He always uses the word saint. <laughs> yeah. And boy, oh boy, that really shows how ridiculous the Bible is because the world does not consider anybody a saint. No, but the, but you find the believers referred to in the New Testament as saints all the time. Exactly, which means holy ones. And why are they declared to be holy? In Christ. Exactly. They believe in the promises of Christ, and that makes them holy. That's what the Bible says, and that's ridiculous, but it's something... That is absolutely true. That's why I don't believe that you can use human reason to convince anybody to become a Christian. Because whoever can believe that someone dies and then is raised from the dead, they don't do it in laboratories. They don't have any experience of that happening in this day and age. But it happens every time a person is converted. They are yeah. raised to new life. Yeah. All right, stanza four, please. The light eternal 
breaking through, made the world to gleam anew. His beams have pierced the core of night. He makes us children of the light. Hallelujah. So here we're using a metaphor. The Bible has many of them. What is the opposite of light? Darkness. Exactly. You and I were born in darkness because of our original sin. And I know in your case and my case, we were baptized. And that brought us into the light of Christ. That, that's really great to talk about. <laughs> Excuse me. So the light eternal breaks through and makes the world to gleam anew. In other words, we're kind of back in the Garden of Eden. That's what's being said here. Mm -hmm. We become like Adam and Eve as sinless, declared by God to be sinless, even though we're still sinners. All right, I'll read stanza five. The very Son of God, sublime, entered into earthly time. To lead us from this world of cares, he makes us children, I mean, to heaven's courts as blessed heirs. What does yes, the word heir mean? Uh, heirs is, is somebody who inherits. The very Son of God sublime entered into earthly time. See, that is uh, the way he says that. You know, he enters into earthly time, the very Son of God sublime. It, 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 there's a state of humiliation all over again, see. Uh, uh, to lead us from this world of cares to heaven's courts as blessed heirs. This world of cares. It's a, it's like a, it's a veil of tears, and yes. he leads us from this veil of tears, uh, this world filled of, with cares, to heaven's courts as blessed heirs. What wonderful now, that's, news! That's really found in the parable of the sheep and the goats, because although the sheep are commended for their good works of sanctification, that is not why they're going to heaven. No. It says inherit. 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 That's right. And and it also says even when when, when they're addressed at the beginning, it says, uh, "Come ye blessed of my Father." You know yes. we're blessed, and and we inherit. It's uh, a lot of people in that in that description of the the judgment of the sheep and goats. They think, well, we're saved because we because we saw somebody in need, we saw somebody uh, hungry, and we fed them. No, no, we inherited it. You don't get something uh, that you earn by inheriting it. Uh, and and we're blessed of the Father. It's kind of like. The Bible always uses the term that we are not begotten children of God. We are adopted children right. of God. Right. And when a child is adopted, then the child begins to do good works in the family. Like they follow the rules of when it's time to come home and eat, maybe cut the lawn, wash the car, clean their room. But none of that makes them a child of the parents. No. They're a child of the parents because they were either begotten or adopted. And, and they were adopted because they were loved. Yes. All right, stanza six, please. In poverty, he came to earth 
showing mercy by his birth. He makes us rich in heavenly ways as we, like angels, sing his praise. Alleluia. Well, here we go again. There's a word there that maybe you can help explain it, namely showing mercy. <laughs> What's mercy? Mercy is, uh, let's see, it's, it's not getting the judgment that we deserve. Excellent. Instead, God is gracious, which means we get what we, let's see, we get, uh, uh, we're blessed with something that we don't deserve. Exactly. Well said. That's the God we have. There is no other God in any other religion that teaches that. His grace and mercy is specifically the biblical God. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. So how did he show mercy by his birth? Well, it's, it's answered in the, the last verse, I think. All this for us our God has done, granting love through his own Son. He's blessed us by his own Son who will be our Savior. The mercy of his birth meant that he was born in order to die. Right. So that we wouldn't on. have to. He's, he's born to take all the punishment of hell on the cross so that none of us would have to. Exactly. So read the entire verse 7, please. All this for us our God has done, granting love through his own Son. Therefore all Christendom rejoice and sing his praise with endless voice. Alleluia. So that's a fitting end to this Christmas hymn because we recognize that he gave love through his Son. What Bible verse would you use for showing that? Hmm. Uh, Tom, I'm it. for God. For God so, so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. John three sixteen. Exactly. That's what this verse is talking about. That because of what God has done. Notice it's what God has done, not what we have done. Right. And he granted love through his own son. Therefore, all Christendom rejoice. And that's the good news. Listen to Law of and Christmas. Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on Thanks KFUO. so much. For a tax deductible gift or to Law and me. Gospel, God please bless make your you. check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. Or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. 
We are the messenger of good news worldwide KFUO.